BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Kyle Larson up off of turn number four. White flag goes in the air. Young Money is a lap away from Big Money. Harvick to the bottom of the racetrack just waves him by. Final pass of the night, and that will be it. Kyle Larson down the back straightaway, ready to finish out a spectacular all-star victory. All-star winner, three of the last five times out. Take the check to the bank. One million dollars. Kyle Larson has won. The NASCAR All-Star Race at the North Wilkesboro Speedway. This car was just so good. I was so bad uh, Friday and Saturday. And um, honestly, <laughs> I told my buddies, I was like, I'm going to run like 15th today. So, uh, I mean, never. I think that just shows it never count out this team. You know, they even when we were not good in practice, you give them a night to work on it, they're going to get it better. So they got two nights to work on it this week. And that's why we were so good there in the, the race there. So, uh a million bucks, third all-star win, third different track. It feels feels so good. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you. As in today's show, we continue our countdown of NASCAR Live's Top 10 Stories of 2023. Today will be part two, as we'll cover five of the biggest events in NASCAR this year. Here to help us are some of the voices that you hear week in and week out on the Motor Racing Network. Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Kim Kuhn, Dave Moody, Steve Post, and Chris Wilner. They all will help us reflect on an exciting 2023 NASCAR season. Before we jump into everything that's happened this year, let's get a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR with our very own Kyle Ricky, Kyle, what do you have? Mike, silly season continues to shake up the NASCAR garage as we look ahead to 2024. While we wait for a few more announcements, several teams have already been set for next season. At Trackhouse Racing, they've welcomed 2022 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith to the Cup Series ranks. Smith signed a long-term deal with the team and will debut in the Cup Series next season full-time via a partnership with Spire Motorsports. Also joining Smith at Trackhouse is Chicago Street Course winner Shane Van Gisbergen, who will transition into life in the United States by competing at all three levels of NASCAR, including a limited Cup Series schedule. And Trackhouse Racing won't be without veteran drivers, as Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain are both back for another season. Chastain in particular is looking forward to Smith and Van Gisbergen helping to push him and the team to new heights. Shane hasn't gotten here full-time yet, uh, but he is. So, um, yeah, I see him um, and uh, online over training overseas, you know, over back home. So it's going to be good. Zane's already, you know, he's right in the, in the, in the gym with us and in the, in the trenches. Um, 
and then Shane will be be good as well. So um, he's they both pushing me to to step it up a bit. While things are set at Trackhouse, there's still more silly season news to come before we ring in the new year. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll dive into the top 10 stories from 2023. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Every sport needs a good villain. We have plenty of individuals always willing to play the role of hero, but not too many willing to be their foil. Well, this year, an excellent villain arc arose on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit as Denny Hamlin leaned into his knack for speaking his mind and fostering a love-hate relationship with fans all around NASCAR. Dave Moody, Jeff Striegel are here now to discuss this with me. Dave, I suppose what kickstarted all of this was Denny's announcement of hosting a podcast for Dirty Mo Media titled Actions Detrimental. What'd you think of Denny's foray into new media? Well, it's been a wonderful thing for those of us that, you know, that spend most of our lives and careers talking about what's going on in NASCAR, because every Monday or Tuesday, he just hands us something on a silver platter to talk about. Frequently controversial, always opinionated and outspoken. He really doesn't seem to mind wearing the black hat. And it's been it's been an amazing turnaround because until the last couple of years, he wasn't the most popular driver in NASCAR, but he certainly wasn't the least. I never thought that he was even close to being the least. In his home state of Virginia, he could get a beautiful ovation from time to time. Now they just boo him out of the joint no matter where he is. And it's become really fascinating from our perspective as people to cover the sport and are every once in a while looking for a great story somebody's got to be willing to wear the black hat, right? If there if there are no bad guys riding into Dodge City, Matt Dillon's going to have to shoot Festus, and nobody's tuning in to watch that. You've got to have a bad guy, and Denny is more than happy to be that guy, it seems. Jeff, what did you think about Denny popping open the mic to let the world know what he thinks? I don't think Denny Hamlin has to prove or apologize to anybody for anything. When you're a three-time Daytona 500 winner, when you've won as many times as he's won, when you're a NASCAR future Hall of Famer, when that career is all said and done, I I love it, and I'll tell you why, Dave. I love it because I like to hear what other people have to say about Denny Hamlin. I like to see how the crowd responds to Denny Hamlin, as you just pointed out. Um I'm not surprised that he's taken on uh, the, you know, and I think it's important, Dave, let's, let's remember all he's doing is what every other person on the planet has the ability to do, but just doesn't. He wanted to start his own podcast. He wanted to say what was on his mind. He's elected to do so. And you know what? I think it's good for the sport. Dave, what do you think? Oh, I agree. He served fair warning when he named it 
actions detrimental. I mean, he pretty much warned NASCAR and all of us, get ready, everybody. I'm going to say some things that make you mad. I'm going to say some things that hack you off. I might get even fined by the sanctioning body every now and again. I don't know that that's really happened other than the time that he admitted intentionally right hooking somebody into the fence at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That cost him a couple of bucks. But yeah, he, he served fair warning. I'm going to be outspoken. I'm going to say what's on my mind. He's been around long enough that I think he's got that right if he chooses to exercise it. Not many are brave enough to exercise that right because there is a certain degree of blowback that comes along with the role. But again, he doesn't seem to mind or care. Do you think there'll come a point, though, Dave, where he will cross that line? And I don't even know what that line is. And, you know, but there's going to, I, I guess I'm thinking that might happen. So I'm interested to know what you think, Dave. There, there may be that time where he gets roughed up on a racetrack or there's a NASCAR violation or a penalty or that point where he is so fed up and you click that microphone on and you say something maybe you shouldn't have. What do you think? I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, quite honestly. When when he announced that he was going to do this, a bunch of us were thinking, you might even have been in, in on the conversation. I think the consensus of opinion, our over and under was about six weeks before NASCAR had to slap him back into his chair and say, hold on, buddy, that, that's not exactly the way it went. So will it happen? Probably. Will he, will he pay whatever fine comes his way? happily probably pay it in pennies just to make its point but again i don't think he cares i think he really relishes this outspoken bad boy of nascar role and god bless him if he's willing to play it because like i said not everybody is dave let's go back to the last laps at pocono he's always had a ton of success at that tricky triangle over the years and he did again that afternoon but it did not come without controversy as he and kyle larson had an exchanging of paint in those closing laps. What did you make of that situation as he was booed in victory lane? Denny's been around this deal a long time, and he knows that there are a lot of different ways that you can beat somebody. And one of the ways that he's become very good at over the years, and Pocono was a perfect example of that, was putting his car in a position in space compared to your car where you have a choice between a bad thing and a really bad thing. The bad thing is lifting out of the throttle and letting Denny take the lead away from you to stay out of the fence. The really bad thing is electing to stay in the throttle, knowing that you probably don't have enough room to come off that corner the way you want to without getting into the fence. And we've seen that now. Denny has seen it from both sides. He's been the guy that got squeezed, and he's been he's been the squeezer and the squeezy. How about that? And sometimes he has no problem with it when he's the squeezer. Sometimes he has a big problem with it when he's the squeeze E, which I think is part of the reason why NASCAR fans are so polarized about him, because they see a certain level of hypocrisy in saying, I can't believe you just did what I did to somebody else three weeks ago. Well, that I think is is where you're 100% accurate. If it hadn't been Denny, the reaction at the end of the race would have been completely different than what we saw. It was Denny. It was Kyle. Um, Denny has done that to others. Others have done that to Denny. Kyle has done that to others. And Kyle was on the receiving end of what Denny dished out. Um that's NASCAR. That's what makes it exciting. That's why we tune in and watch it 
uh, and listen to it every single weekend that we have because we don't know how the thing is going to actually end up. Um, you know, if they're racing for sixth, seventh, eighth place, twentieth place, that, it's a whole different story. We're at the end of the race and we are racing for the win. And you know, Dave, agree or disagree? Kyle knew something was coming. Denny knew something was coming. Neither one knew exactly what it was going to be. That's NASCAR racing at the highest level when you are just flat out running wheel to wheel, fender to fender, and the checkered flag is waiting for you at the end. I agree 101%. And I'll even go a step further. Kyle Larson knew the situation he was in about halfway through turn two. And and perhaps in that situation, he was his own worst enemy, second only to Denny. Perhaps he was his own worst enemy because so many times over the years when he's found himself in one of those impossible situations, he's been able to fall back on the astronomical, unworldly, inhuman level of talent that he has to drive out of a situation that he could not possibly have driven out of. In this case, I think maybe he had confidence that he might be able to make something out of nothing. Turned out he couldn't, and he ends up in the fence and angry, which he had every right to be. But you know, you're exactly right. If we haven't got if we haven't got guys willing to say, okay, checkers or wreckers, hero or zero, because we're down to the final laps, what are we buying tickets to watch? That seems like what we want to see. Let's close on this. While Denny has become a polarizing figure among fans, he remains one of the sport's top drivers. Once again, he fell just short of the championship for in Phoenix and that elusive Cup Series title. Jeff, we're still waiting on that championship. When will it come? I suppose it truly is a matter of if Denny wins a championship. He's 42 years of age right now. But I think the thing that we want to remember is the fact that while 2022 was an exceptional year for Denny Hamlin, 2023 was better. He had more wins, more top fives, led more laps. He was better this year than what he was even last year. Um I think he would like it for everybody to count him out. I think he would like it for everybody to boo him when he's introduced at the racetrack. Um, I think that he loves playing the role of being booed. He, He thrives on it. I think it feeds him. I think it makes him want it even more. Uh, he is not a champ. He is not, not a champion because he hasn't put in the effort, hasn't won the races, hasn't done everything that he needs to do. Um, it's one of those things, uh, Dave, and we see it in sports, whether it be a team, a driver, whatever the case may be, you've done everything you possibly can. You just not have that championship to look back on. But I don't think we ever, as long as he's getting into a race car on a full-time basis, if you count out Denny Hamlin, you've made a big mistake. Coming up, we reflect on NASCAR's return to North Wilkesboro Speedway. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. NASCAR returned to one of its historic tracks back in May for its all-star race. For the first time since 1996, NASCAR held a race weekend at North Wilkesboro Speedway. It was a moment that had many old-school NASCAR fans elated with joy, a day they've been waiting for, and one we'll discuss now with Alex Hayden and Steve Post. Alex, we'll start with you. You reside in the great state of North Carolina. What was it like for you when you made the drive up Highway 421 to North Wilkesboro? I was a little nervous, not going to lie, because uh, there was such a big buildup to this, and, and myself included, because of, of the history of that racetrack in the state of North Carolina and the history of North Wilkesboro Speedway on the NASCAR Tour. So when, when we drove up, I, I picked up Jeff Striegel, my uh, broadcast partner there, and, and he had never been to the racetrack. He'd never seen it. And as we were making the drive in from the hotel, I was trying to describe to him, hey, don't don't get your hopes too high. This is not an absolute polished up gem here. This is an old racetrack. It's going to look like an old racetrack with a with a highway running right beside it. And you're going to have to get off that highway three or four miles before you even get to the racetrack and take a little two-lane road to get back to it. So uh, we got there. We drove past the racetrack on, on US 421 just so Jeff can experience that. And, and I wanted to as well. Let's say... There were people everywhere, cars parked everywhere in the fields off the highway. We get to the exit to, that we have to take to get around to the racetrack, and there were police everywhere directing traffic. The amount of people was unbelievable. But when we finally got to the property and set foot on the property, walked up the, the grassy hillside there, the old logos around, the old paint along with new paint, it was truly a diamond in the rough. It was perfect. And it was perfect for the return because we didn't go out and polish the entire place. Sure, there was fresh paint put down and, and there was a little patch of new asphalt here and there, but the track was virtually left untouched and the facility was just outstanding. It was every bit as charming this time around as it was last time I was there 20 some odd years ago. And to be able to, to step foot on that take a deep breath and just kind of look around and, and take it in. It was outstanding. And then I realized, okay, we're actually going to do this. We're going to put these cup cars back on the racetrack. We're going to put the Craftsman Truck Series on the racetrack. And yeah, there have been some late model races leading up that week to, to the big event, but I hadn't been at those as of yet. So to, to be able to see race cars pull out on the track and make a couple of laps, I just stood there. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to myself. I didn't describe it. I just watched and took it all in and, and thought just how cool it was that we're able to go back. As great as the new stuff is in the Los Angeles Coliseum and the streets of Chicago are phenomenal events and were phenomenal experiences. This, going back to North Wilkesboro Speedway, was equal to all of that. It, it, it was like going back in time. And it's not very often you get to do that. And, and change is a constant in the world and in life in general. But when you have the opportunity to change and go back to do something again, it was a privilege to be a part of it. And I don't think the uh, the drivers or the teams or the fans were disappointed one bit. Posty, over the past year plus, you've had an opportunity or two to take in the track's renaissance thanks to other racing events. What were your impressions of the weekend? Well, I was at the last race that NASCAR was there, and we figured we were saying goodbye to the racetrack. 
Um, and then as we travel here in North Carolina, as we live our lives, uh, when you go from the Charlotte area to the mountains, first off, there's 72 different versions of how to get there. One of them is Highway 421, where you drive by North Wilkesboro Speedway. Those early years, it's like, oh, the place looks good. And then five years later, there's trees growing up there. And then it became the rundown North Wilkesboro Speedway. And so you got to that point. Now, I've been, uh, I was fortunate in that I was able to get to some of the modified and late model races even last year at the racetrack. So my build up to it was a little bit more gradual. It was, I went to a modified race and then I went to the, the Cars Tour race that Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, that, 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 that Carson Quaffle and Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car won, but Jr. basically filled the place up. And then the decision that was made to bring the All-Star race there. So I had a gradual buildup for it. So I didn't have that, that new old look as far as boy i missed this racetrack i'd been there a couple of times i actually went up for one of the late model races that week as well but then it's still different when you see the trucks and when you see the cup cars it is great to watch late model stock racing or modified racing but when the big boys if you will when the cup cars rolled onto that track for the first practice session it was goosebumps and chills everywhere because it is like okay this is a throwback from the mid-1990s. Jeff Gordon's the last guy that won here. He was the last guy that won here. We're getting ready to add a new name to North Wilkesboro Cup Series as our winners. And, uh, boy, once we got going, it became and, – and then it, and it just it, it just evolved into this fun weekend. It, it was fun because everyone was was so glad to be there. And I know everyone loves to go to NASCAR races. But this was on a different level. It was it was just everybody, did you see this? Did you see that? Did you see? Did, did, I got to go grab. We had crew members, crew members going across the racetrack to go buy souvenir shirts and just to be part of it. Really, really cool, cool event all across the board. Just just fun to be there. The build up to it for me for the for the year, year and year and a couple of months was as much fun as once we got there for the event. Coming up, 2023 was the year that RFK Racing announced itself to the NASCAR Cup Series world. We'll remember the team's strong 2023 next. The NASCAR season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2023 marked the second season of Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. In 2022, the team came away with one lone win, but 2023 saw RFK become one of the standouts in the NASCAR Cup Series garage. Kim Kuhn and Chris Wilner join me now. Chris, we'll start with you. Last year, we looked at 2022 as the breakout season for trackhouse racing. Is it fair to say that the breakout team in 2023 was RFK? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, anytime that you double your win percentage and then also have both your drivers uh, in the playoffs just speaks volumes to the to the job that Brad and the entire RFK team have done. I think, you know, he was even a little bit surprised, especially when we saw Chris go back to back at Richmond and, Fien- and, and Michigan. You know, he's even like, we didn't expect this. But at the same time, it's okay. Now we've kind of set this building block from 2022 and the one win that they had at Bristol and then to come out of the gate and and, and have Chris nearly win the Daytona 500 and then kind of see the run that they go on. Um, for sure, it's a breakout season. I mean, you look at, they were probably the top four team for much of the 2023 season. You know, everybody wants to point at Penske, but it was RFK that was kind of leading that manufacturer role for the majority of the season and what Chris and Brad were able to do and then finish in the top 10, both in points as well in seventh and eighth. I mean, Chris Heck was uh, a, maybe a race away from being in the championship four conversation. So anytime you can have a turnaround like that from being in the 20s in points to now in the top 10 and have a three-win season, uh, for sure, tip of the cap to them and, and being our breakthrough team this season. Kim, what did you think about what RFK was able to accomplish this year? Yeah, I completely agree. Specifically with the fact that RFK was leading the Ford performance camp for the majority of the season. Yes, I know Ryan Blaney won the championship, but collectively, if you look in the entire body of work that RFK put out in 2023, they were the Fords to beat. And it actually made a lot of the other teams, it made Stuart Haas Racing kind of scratch their heads. What are we doing wrong? Made Team Penske for a while, you know, think about why are we not getting the finishes that we're seeing Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski get? And then you look at what the team was able to do in terms of the giant leap they made from 2022 to 2023. Yes, Chris Buescher won Bristol. And I think that was just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the end of 2022, what we were going to end up seeing this year. Chris Buescher gets three wins at the beginning of the playoffs, there were a lot of drivers that were in the playoffs saying he's going to be the sleeper. He's going to be the guy that you don't consider, but you got to watch your back. And and he certainly was. He made it to the round of eight, could, you know, could have potentially made it to the championship four had those races gone a little bit differently. Had he had the performances that Brad Keselowski had had um, in that round of eight, I think we were would have been talking about Chris Buescher in the championship four. But to see the leap they made over the past year. And then, you know, Brad didn't win a race, but he was so close. He had, he had points in the season where he was dominant races and, and probably should have won. One could have won, um, but they by far were the most improved team, the standout team to me, what they were able to do and the progression they've made in the last 12 months has been, I think, phenomenal. And and you look at, I'm not certain where they ended the entire season, but that first 26 race stretch, that regular season, you know, regardless of, of wins, RFK finished fifth and sixth in points in that regular season. And so for both drivers to make the playoffs, just absolutely phenomenal. Chris, let's keep the focus on Chris Buescher. He won last year at Bristol but then caught fire towards the end of the regular season, winning at Richmond and Michigan in back-to-back weeks. What could this season pretend for Busher in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a jump start for anybody's career, and it doesn't matter when it comes. I mean, I know Chris has been around in the sport for a while, and you even go back to that Pocono win in the rain, what, geez, 2014, I think it was, 2013, 2014. And you look at the kind of, he's been one of the journeymen in the sport, right? Like, he's been a guy that's, not always been in the headlines, but he's kind of been there and he's been around almost kind of the trajectory Alex Bowman had for a while until he got his big break. And and this was a big opportunity for Chris to come over to RFK and be a part of this program. But you're right. I think, 
you know, this 2023 season was just the jolt. I think he needed to prove that, hey, I belong in this sport long term. I am potentially a champion of this sport. Now I'm a race multi-time race winner uh, in this sport and and he belongs to stay. And so I think Chris really proved his abilities as a driver in terms of now showing the performance of what he can bring to the race car, uh, having top-notch equipment underneath him. And and even Brad's been complimentary of him as well, saying, you know, while Brad's kind of at the forefront of the program, being in the ownership group and also being a driver, Chris is bringing just as much to the team in terms of feedback and how to set the cars up and things like that, that, you know, is really just aiding both cars, both the 6 and the 17. So I think Chris is, is showing his true colors now of who he is as a racer. And it won't be the last time that we talk about him you know i think next year he'll have a multi-win season as well and i think the goal now is to get brad on that same level and have both of those cars kind of lead the front and uh and be part of that ford surgeons again in 2024 so chris certainly uh again put his name as a i'm here to stay and now i'm ready i think to go after a championship next year yeah, and I think if the team had put cars together for some of the races where they felt like they underperformed, um, it'd be an even bigger conversation than we're already having. And I do think you have to give them credit beyond just those three race wins because it wasn't like they were anomalies, these wins. Each and every weekend, it felt like Chris and that 17 team were showing up. You know, he had it was in the double digits, the number of best finishes he had had at tracks. You know, you look at what he did at Darlington, finished third. That was his best finish of his cup career at Darlington. So I think just outside of those race wins, you also have to look week in and week out. He was having some of the best performances we've ever seen him have at certain tracks. And I think that just speaks to um, the maturity of Chris, where he's come, the evolution of him as a driver. I feel like the changes that Brad has made over at RFK have all kind of been this perfect storm to finally see Chris Busher's potential. Let's not forget about the man who has his name in the team's name, although he didn't visit victory lane. Brad Keselowski had a bounce back year taking part of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Chris, what'd you make of Brad's 2023? I thought it was consistent. And, and I know Brad is is probably going to be disappointed with his, his season just in terms of lack of wins and, and wanting to be up there with Chris. But I think he also was proud of the way his team was able to be consistent because 2022, you're right, wasn't a year that he was expecting even in the first year of that ownership of RFK. But at the same time, don't forget, they had that huge L2 penalty that just really set them back in the season. I think they lost 100 points. Uh, and Matt McCall was, was suspended for several races. So um, you can kind of take that as, as an anomaly in itself is just the fact that they were so far behind. But then this year, I think you look at the consistency at cars. So I think Brad's going to be happy with the progression. And I think he, you know, in terms of consistency should be happy with the speed that they have. And you're right. We talk about Chris, but half the time Chris was battling for a win. It's usually Brad was somewhere in the top 10 chasing Chris as well, trying to get that car up to the front. So Brad had a sneaky, consistently good season. I think you should be happy with where they're at, but I know kind of now that the new benchmark has been set. So now, okay, forget what we did this year. Uh, you know, consistency is not going to be enough when we look at next year and they're going to be looking for, uh, for a lot more, but certainly I thought it was a consistently good run for Brad and maybe a little bit more of a confidence boost going into this year. Agree. A huge confidence boost, especially boost, especially compared to what he did in 2022. 2022, he had a single one top five finish yeah. the entire season. And then you look at what he was able to do this year, seven top fives. We saw a number of races where it was Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher running in tandem. You think about the one, two finish they had at Daytona. And then yes, Brad was eliminated in the round of 12, but he finished eighth overall in the standings. 
that's the highest finish for a competitor without a victory on the season. So I think a lot to hang his hat on. I know he didn't get that win. And that was, that was kind of his goals at the beginning of 2023. He wanted to win this season. He wanted multi wins. Um, I think that will come. I think it more, more so than performance, not getting a win was circumstantial. You're going to win. You're going to lose more than you win in this series. And it was just a, a season where we didn't see Brad win. That wasn't for lack of effort. I think he has so much to be proud of. And I, I think he does win in 2024. In fact, I, I could see it being a multi-win season for Brad Keselowski in 2024 based on the strides that they've made over the last year. Indeed, we're looking to see what Brad Keselowski and the rest of RFK Racing can do in 2024. Coming up, we say goodbye to Auto Club Speedway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. At the end of February, we said goodbye to the two-mile configuration at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. The NASCAR Cup Series has been racing in the Inland Empire region since 1997. And for the time being, we'll say not goodbye, but see you later. Alex Hayden and C. Post are back. Posty, what made the two-mile configuration at Auto Club so special? I did PR for Kenny Wallace in 1997. Uh, and we had raced up at Sonoma, and all of the teams, I believe it was May of 1997, uh, all of the Cup Series teams then headed south for an open test session at Roger Penske's new racetrack. And we had heard about Roger Penske's new racetrack. I, of course, was doing Kenny Wallace's PR. Rusty, of course, drove for Roger Penske, and we had heard that this place was a show place. Well, I will never forget pulling into the property and seeing the palm trees, the grass everywhere. Everything was paved up. Now you have this, you have this balance over the, uh, about the same time Texas and Gateway came on on board. Okay, and and Texas, you know, it's, it, it goes unstated. Texas had its challenges, and Texas was slung together right at the end to become the great racetrack that it has. I'm not, there's, there's, there's not a knock on Texas, but the comparison with what Roger Penske did, we were there for a test session and this place was buttoned up for this test session. You walked into the garage area and you didn't want to roll the cars in on the floor of the garage area because it was the most immaculate floor in the garage area you saw. Every blade of grass was all trimmed up. Everything looked so good. This racetrack, it was it was smooth at the time, and just the I'll never forget the, how just how dark black the asphalt was because it was all brand new. So my first vision of it was this pristine, perfect racetrack. As it evolved, the memories of some rainy days out there, the memories of some hot days out there. Remember, we moved to Southern Five Hundred there, and there was one year I don't think it got into double digits. We were there for a full weekend. And it stayed in triple digits in September. So you have all of these memories, and they're not bad memories. They're just challenges. I remember one day we had we. This was back. This was back in the era where NASCAR would make you wait till eight or nine o'clock at night 
because there could be a window open up to do these races. And we sat at that racetrack. I think we sat there for 12, 13, or 14 hours waiting for something to happen that ultimately didn't happen. But as things evolved, this track also evolved. And this track aged. And boy, I'm telling you, when a racetrack ages, that is a great thing for racing. And it evolved into a grand, old, worn-out racetrack. It evolved into something where they were all over that racetrack, just trying to find one inch of pavement that had any grip left in it. They never found it. They were hanging on. Drivers drivers just had to be put through the test. You watch them get on the backstretch, and it was like a boat on plane coming across, coming across a, a, a pond, watching the cars go up and down. So the drivers couldn't even relax on the straightaways, knowing that this next corner, you don't know what you're going to do. There were seams that, uh, in the asphalt that if you hit that seam wrong, you could hit that. You could make that turn 799 times over the course of a race. And that last time, if you hit that seam wrong, you were going backwards into the wall. That place became the ultimate challenge. The ultimate challenge for drivers with the seams, with the bumps, with the turns, with the worn out asphalt, but the ultimate test for the engineers, the chassis developers, the shock specialists, because you had to get grip. Oh, yeah, it's a two-mile speedway. Aerodynamics had to be good. Engines had to be good. To me, Auto Club Speedway, it started in, the, in, in 1997 as this perfect, pristine racetrack, and it evolved into this perfectly great, amazing challenge that teams had to do. And I think it's fascinating that Kyle Busch got his first win, a West Coast guy, a Las Vegas guy. I think it's fascinating that his first win with Richard Childress Racing came out there as we put a bow around the history of the two-mile track at Auto Club Speedway. Alex, what are your hopes for the future of Auto Club? Do you expect to see us back there one day? Well, I hope we're racing in Southern California in the greater Los Angeles area. That's my ultimate hope whether it's right there on that same site with a short track, which would be outstanding, or somewhere else right in that general area, perhaps right in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. It, it, it to me, is a market our sport must be in. When you think about NASCAR racing and how much we depend on companies to market and partner with us, as far as sponsorship goes, there's not very many markets better than Los Angeles that they want to be in. So I absolutely hope we can still race in Southern California on a regular yearly basis, whether that's the half mile that they're proposing there at Fontana, which I think would be outstanding because of that community and because of that area and geographic location with snow-capped mountains right along the backside of the racetrack. I think it's a spectacular setting for a racetrack. And if we do something completely reimagined, like a half-mile track there, I think that would be a huge win for our sport. But the bottom line is, my hope is we keep racing annually in Southern California, and more specifically, in and around Los Angeles. We thank all of the hardworking people who made Auto Club Speedway a success throughout the years. And we hope to see Southern California race fans one day soon. Coming up, we'll highlight the seasons of a trio of Cup Series drivers. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Let's take a moment to recognize three NASCAR Cup Series drivers and the 2023 seasons that they had. William Byron, Kyle Busch, and Tyler Reddick all made headlines throughout the year and helped tell the story of a thrilling 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season. Chris and Kim are back. Kim Cohn, I'll direct this to you. Let's start off with William Byron. He won six races last year, made it to the championship four, just came up short winning the series championship. Was this the year he announced himself as a perennial Cup Series championship driver moving forward? Absolutely. And I think it is not only because of the driver talent, I think the pairing of William Byron and Rudy Fugel will last for many years. We're going to see a long relationship between the two of them. Um, I think that is where kind of the secret weapon is, is the relationship between those two and what they're able to accomplish together. Six race wins on the season, top of the board in terms of all of the cup drivers. Um, And yes, it was the first time he made the championship four and he came up short in terms of championship. But the beginning of that race, the beginning of Phoenix, he led the first 92 laps at Phoenix. And for a while, it looks like, or it looked like it was going to be William Byron as our 2023 champion. Um, And and not only that, the, the majority of the race wins he had this season, they were dominant performances. Uh, There was maybe one or two where he kind of, fell into a win. He, he was in position and just took advantage uh, of, you know, circumstances other drivers face. But for the most part, those wins were dominant. And then races he didn't win, he was dominant too. He each and every week was a driver you felt like you had to put in your lineup because they seemed to be, be able to perform at every single racetrack they went to. Um, I think they did have a little bit of a slump when it came to uh, the second half of the playoffs. There were some performances where they kind of scratched their heads, but those seemed like the exception, not the rule to what their season brought and what they showed us this season. So I think the sky's the limit for the 24 team and William Byron. And, you know, it could be the 24 in 2024 in terms of championship talks, I think. Chris, do you agree that 2024 could be the year for the 24? Yeah, I think that hashtag will probably rear itself yeah. here on X or whatever you want to call it now coming up next year just because of what he did this year. But you're right. I mean, this is almost a like Ray Everham, Jeff Gordon kind of situation that's brewing with that 2014 conveniently enough with that same car. But, you know, Kim hit every nail on the head in terms of just the breakout season that um, William Byron has had. And, and also, too, it's the versatility I think he found. I know he was so hard on himself not winning at a road course at this point of the season. Well, then he goes and does it at Watkins Glen. And you could just see the relief he had because, you know, a lot of people were doubting if he could do that, you know, because you look at his teammate Chase Elliott and all the success he's had and Kyle Larson on road courses but finally William was able to do it this summer at Watkins Glen but uh, I mean of over a thousand laps led I mean there wasn't a race that feel like William wasn't leading at some point of the 2023 season just incredible numbers that he was able to put up and you're right I think you know I've talked to Rudy several times this year and and their backs have been against the wall in in several races as Kim pointed out to where they probably shouldn't have won but then they somehow had a dominant car they were able to make the changes that they needed to and that's credit to both Rudy and William for being able to have that communication level and I know that's something they've worked on the last couple of years and they feel like it's been building kind of to this point so to see it come to fruition and have the dominance that they were able to show in several of those races even right off the bat you know the third race in at Vegas I mean sweeping the the, the stages I mean unbelievable uh run that he had there and I think that kind of turned some heads especially going back to back with Phoenix like okay well you know Williams here he's now going to be a favorite but can they sustain that because a lot of the talk has been can Rudy and, and William close out a season 
season. And while they weren't able to win the championship, just making the championship four and being up front for much, much of that race, I think showed that, yeah, you know, they can and they're ready and they just needed a little bit more. And who knows that little bit more could come this year. Let's shift our attention over to Kyle Busch. Last year, when we looked at the top stories of 2022, one of them was Kyle Busch leaving Joe Gibbs racing to join Richard Childress racing in the number eight team. Kyle took no time adjusting to his new team. He won early in the season at Fontana. That was in the thick of the championship race in the fall. Kim, were you surprised by Kyle's year one performance at RCR? I was shocked. And I will be the first one to eat my words. I did not think that Kyle Busch was going to win in the first half of the season. Uh, I did think he had the potential to win. He's a multi-championship driver. I had him winning in 2023. I did not have him winning in the first half. Didn't have him winning the first handful of races. He goes out, he wins auto club in the first handful of races. And everybody's like, well, we were wrong about what was going to happen. Records a three win season, which I think, again, surprised a lot of people surprised me. Um, I think you're lying. If you thought Kyle Busch was going to come in and just show us what he actually ended up showing us. Um, But again, he is a championship driver. He has won championships. He knows what he needs. I think he was a breath of fresh air to RCR and their Cup Series program. Now, I will say it did level off. Um, It got to be where the second half of the season, I don't think we saw the same performance. But you do look at the three race wins they had. They won Auto Club. They won Talladega. They won Gateway. Very different tracks. And so I think that speaks to the kind of driver Kyle is and what he's bringing to the table now that he's at RCR. Um you know, there were tracks, some of the short tracks weren't their, their cup of tea this season, but I think everything's a work in progress over there. Um, the, the big thing that they kind of missed on the second half of the season though, was I think their, their peaks and valleys were too high and too low. They needed a little bit more consistency, um, the second half of the season than what they showed us. But overall, Kyle Busch should be so proud of what he was able to do. Um, after leaving an organization like JGR, a, t- a top team, He had been there for so long and then going over to RCR, winning as early as he did and making it a multi-win season, um, he should not be disappointed at all. And to come in and not only run a Chevrolet, but be in a new organization and do the things that he did uh, speaks to Kyle, but it also speaks to the organization just of where they're at. And I think RCR is certainly kind of like RFK back on the up and up and and could be another team that we talk about uh, a perennial factor, you know, here in the coming years, like they were uh, as a storied program. So uh, Kyle did a great job, you know, in in his first year. Uh, I know he's, you know, a competitor through and through and is saying, well, that's not enough. I didn't win a championship at the same time. Uh, Look for Kyle to have a another multi-win season uh, in 24. On the other side of that story of Kyle Busch heading to RCR was Tyler Reddick departing the team after signing a deal that was supposed to begin in 2024 with 2311 Racing. Like Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick had success with his new team. Tyler won twice in 2023. Kim, how do you assess Tyler Reddick's debut season at 2311? I think first and foremost, it kind of got lost on everyone that they got him a year early. We were not supposed to see Tyler Reddick at 2311 until next year, until 2024. So I think they kind of had to mitigate what their goals and expectations were at the beginning of this year, knowing they got them early. Maybe some of the stuff that, you know, you do as a driver and as a team to build a relationship, to make a kind of driver transfer into a new team, they had a much shorter timeline than they otherwise would have had. And so I think all of that considering Again, I think people forget that. And because they got him a year early, I think they're going to be on track for the trajectory of, of where they're going 
is moving a lot faster than it otherwise would have. I think what he brought to the team helped Bubba Wallace improve and vice versa. Um, I love the pairing of Billy Scott and Tyler Reddick. I think that, you know, it worked out very well. Um, I still think he's, he's finding his footing, but I think he's finding it very quickly over there at 2311 and kind of what role he can play and what he can bring to the team. And then just talking with Tyler throughout the year, especially at the beginning, I think he was even shocked at the caliber of the TRD driver program and what they offer to their drivers in terms of resources and just, you know, making yourself a better driver, um, a better entity in the garage. And so I think that even Tyler himself, again, was surprised. And I think all that's going to factor into ultimately grooming him to be a champion. I think we are going to see Tyler Reddick as a cup champion in the next five years. We'll wait to see if those championship dreams will be realized. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Thank you to all the voices you heard on the show today. Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Steve Post, Dave Moody, Chris Wilner, Kim Kuhn, and Kyle Rickey. Tune in next Tuesday night as we begin our best of shows for 2023. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew not mentioned before, we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us each and every week. Hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas, and we'll chat with you again next time right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.